This is More Than Therapy Podcast. More Than Therapy. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy. More Than Therapy Podcast. This is More Than Therapy Podcast. And welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today we have Dr. Tracy Phillips. I met Tracy Phillips at the time, about 14 years ago, at a school that I went to for um, my bachelor's program. I tell people all the time that the, the basis of my whole focus of therapy and being humanly sound regarding helping people came out of Springfield College with a start at Trident Technical College. My master's program didn't give me that um, I Everything I have after that was probably just CEUs. Dr. Tracy has been my friend and mentor ever since that time period when other mentors, when other professors weren't as helpful or or beneficial. Whenever I asked a question, she would give me insight. Whenever I asked for support, she would give me insight. If I asked her to do a project with me, she would give me some insight or she would assist with it. She has always been that cornerstone of what I wanted to do in my life. It was under her that I did a program with my friends, um, Joanne and um, a couple of others. And we did this program called Youth Empowerment Program. And oh, it was a daunting program, but it was so worth it. And we put 100% into it. We gave our all into it. And that program is what Morning Therapy became after. I transitioned many aspects of the Youth Empowerment Program to make my nonprofit Morning Therapy. And that was all because of the catalyst started by the now known as Dr. Tracy Phillips. Dr. Tracy. Hello, Felipe. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. My heart is smooth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's real sad. Even but just even not even that program that we did that youth empowerment program. Just the fact that you gave me a book once, you know, regarding the class we had to take under Howard Zinn. Just opened yes. my mind into such a way that I feel I'm a better person because I know more. Because traditional education doesn't teach. You have to educate yourself. And you gave me that catalyst to want to learn more that traditional education wouldn't give us. And therefore, I can give my children the history they teach you is what they want to program you with. The, te- the information you learn is how you deprogram. Very true. Very true. And, and if that's what I, if anything I did help with that, then I'm proud. Mm-hmm. I'm proud to have helped. Mm-hmm. And many of my compadres speak on it. I speak to a lot of them all the time. When you come to Reverend Johnson, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and we are always reflect on Springfield. And you know, the great, the great people we met, even the people that you brought in that helped us, you know, regarding that educational experience, a wonderful educational experience. I even wanted to teach there myself. Thank you. And and I still keep in touch with so many students. Um, I, I, I'm still working with many of them in different aspects or, or like you said, encouraging, helping. Um, I've been very blessed in that I've just been able to keep up with so many. And I get inboxes, messages or text messages or LinkedIn messages. You know, can I ask your advice or can you help me with this? And honestly, that is the catalyst of what we're talking about today is transitioning from a therapist to a coach as a as a therapist transitioning from a therapist to a coach because Indeed. I feel like that's what I've been doing 
you made me want to be better. So I became better. And you instilled in me the concept, though you did not know it at the time, and I didn't even know it at the time, of Ubuntu. You're only as strong as the five people closest to you. Or your circle definitely indicates who you are or the impact you can make. And I think that was very important regarding my progress in life. You know, I had a very tumultuous upbringing. And I think that you allowed me to take off the shackles of that mind-blocking thing, the things that we talk about ourselves, the things that we tell ourselves that we can't do or that we shouldn't be a part of. As if I kept that mentality, I never would have became a therapist or a helping professional because I was locked into being less than, locked into being a gangbanger and drug addict, you know what I'm saying? That the past did not have to define me and you very much instilled that change, that change agent within myself and I thank you for that. You are welcome. And you know, it, it's a, a therapeutic concept that we all use, which is called reframing. And we, you know, we learn as, as therapists, as counselors to, to help our clients reframe. But before we can do that, we have to reframe our own minds. We have to reframe our past. As everything you just said very eloquently is I had to do the same thing. I had a very tumultuous upbringing. There was a lot of instability. There was a lot of emotional torment. Um, but at some point, just like yourself, I reframed that. And I said, you know what? My experience, if my experiences, I survived them. And as a survivor, if they can be used to help even one person who's going through something that I can say, you know what, I've been there and really mean it, then it was all worth it. And that's the reframing process. And I'm glad to hear, like, I know I did that with my life. You just stated you did that with yours. And I think that's the first step to becoming a good qualified therapist. Oh. What made you want to start your journey into mental health? Like what? What was the background that wanted you to contribute to becoming a social worker? The great question. Because um, we're going back over 20 years now. Um, I started this journey back into in the late 90s. Um, I, I wasn't doing anything related. I wasn't. I didn't even have a degree. I, just, I didn't even have a bachelor's degree. I was a struggling single mother. I was um, just trying to make ends meet, trying to you know live off a very low income. You know, working as many hours as I could, multiple jobs. Uh, my son at the time was about, what, seven or eight years old. And um, in, in full disclosure, I, I, w I had a, a break-in in my house and I was um, se sexually assaulted. And he witnessed it because he woke up. And I saw how, even though he was too young to process what he'd seen, how it changed him. His school, his school grades went down, his socialization went down. Um, so I took him to Victim's Advocate, a therapist, a Victim's Advocate, and I worked with them to help him process what he'd seen. Um, and, and of course, I went to someone myself. And after seeing that, it made me realize, okay, A, um, I didn't want to live in an area um, where that could happen. So I needed to do more. And I realized at the time, my avenue to do more was to get a degree. And so I went back to school. I said, okay, but I didn't know what I was going to get a degree. And I started with business, just getting a business. That's my job paid for it. So I was like, cool, I'll get that. But after this incident, I wanted to be um, able to help people as the victim's advocate therapist and my personal counselor helped me. And so I, I went, I decided to change my major from business um, actually to, to mental health. I was going to become a mental health counselor. But I took a class with a professor who at the time I could not stand. Uh, and and you'll, you'll appreciate this having been in my class. It was a human sexuality class, right? And um, 
we we got into some debates, and you know I can debate. Mm, and um, yeah, I, and after class one day, after one of our many class debates, she asked me to stay, and she said, you know, what's your major? And I said, well, I'm, I'm mental health. And she said, I think you'd make a great social worker. And at that time, my view of social work was, you know, um, I, I, I hate to be like this, but you know, the, the people who take babe children out of homes, you know, ugly shoes. <laughs> and, and I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So, you know, we talked about it and she said, do me a favor. She said, before the end of this semester, go to, cause I was kind of working with, with people. I was doing a lot of community work on my own, like volunteering and through my job at that time. And she said, ask everyone who you see as a mentor, the guidance counselors, therapists, I was working in substance abuse, doing some volunteer through my church, ask them if they could go back and become either a social worker or continue with the degree they got and which one they would want. And I did it for about a week or two weeks. And at the every single person I asked said they would have gotten a social work degree. And the only reason was because they felt like they could do more with that. So I, I went in and I switched again from counseling to social work. I'm very glad that I didn't. Again, this is nothing against counseling. Um, I do counseling in my social work. That's the majority of what I've done. But I felt like that was a good fit. And I think it really had to do with the fact that I was a good person to argue with. <laughs> That's what she saw in me. Um, and eventually, um, I did. I, pra- I finished school. I got my master's in social work. I got my license in social work. Um, but I kind of went out in the field and did a number of things. I worked at the VA for a year. I, I worked in um, crisis intervention for a year. Um, I did have private practice as well. Um, self-pay private practice, did some marriage and family therapy, some group therapy. I did a lot of different things. Um, But honestly, nothing ever felt completely fulfilling until one day I ran into, you're going to love this, that same professor two or three years later. And she was now the dean at Springfield College. And we ran into each other just out, I think at a supermarket or something. And she said to me, um, what are you doing now? And I told her all that I had done in the last couple of years, a few years. And she said, um, I remember how, that human sexuality class. And they, I had to do a student teaching. And so she asked me if I was interested in coming to Springfield to teach one class. And I said, sure, I could use the extra money. Why not? And uh, I taught that day. And I'm, I'm thinking you were in that class. Was that the first class you took? So that was that was that first semester you were in my class. And um, when I left out, I was driving home and I knew that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to teach. Um, I had also taught, I was a special education therapist for the school district, so I worked with children. I did a lot in a very, in a few years. Probably about a four year window. Um, from, yeah, from about 2003 to 2006. 2007 um, I did all those different things because I was try- trying to figure out but teaching was it higher education I felt it was my calling um, and and I have not looked back I still did my private practice mm-hmm. um, and a few years later in 2014 I started right vision consulting and I'll explain about why I called it consulting and not counseling mm-hmm. and later um, but that's what I've been doing I've been teaching in higher education um, I teach and right now I've worked, I got one back and got my PhD. And um, now I am, uh, I teach in a PhD program, helping other counselors and social workers 
um, finish their doctorates, finish their PhDs, and go out into the field. And I absolutely love it. I love every minute of it. Indeed. So. Ooh, that's quite the journey to find your footing. Some people never find their place in life or find the place in life where they feel comfortable doing what they're doing, I think. I still have another chapter to go for my, myself. I definitely have another chapter to go. You know what I'm saying? It's like I reached my plateau, my ceiling. Mm-hmm. A little bit extra to get to that next level. And that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm focused on doing. We're supposed to start last year, but you know, the pandemic threw everything off. We, even if it did, we allowed ourselves to believe that it did. And that's what I did. That self appreciating behaviors and didn't do anything I wanted to do in 2020. Now really focus on doing it in 2021. But that time, you know, time, time waits for no man, right? <laughs> yeah, 2021 is going by really fast. I think you might want to say 2022. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm focused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you're, you're moved into the consulting now. Mm-hmm. I'm on this app called Clubhouse. It's only available for iOS devices, so Apple devices. And I see a lot of contention, a lot of warring words between the two parties, coaches, counselors, or therapists, social mm-hmm. workers, people with the licenses, the people with the certificates, or yeah, information. Yeah. As there's no national umbrella saying this is what it takes to be a life coach. Right. As um, I will, I'll be honest with you, I was considering being a life coach. I went to Udemy. Pay my nine dollars and ninety five cents to take a, take a course that I was supposed to be certified as a life coach. I think there's some good skills there, but I don't think it gave me the the grounding if I didn't already have the, the skills that I already have to be a life coach. Mm-hmm. Myself, I have to be. It's a slippery slope. Coaching is coaching. Therapy is therapy. Will I be strong enough to stay in the lane? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So tell me what you're doing or how you're doing. Right. You're doing and doing at the level that you're doing it because you're doing it, doing it, and doing it well. (laughs) (laughs) You are, you are funny. Okay. So first and foremost, um, let me start out to say that I am not a proponent of someone using their own life experience alone to say they're qualified to coach. Um, The first principle of anything is what? First, do no harm. You know, I have met people, I met, I remember I was, I saw a woman um, present on a platform, a community platform, that she was two years outside of active substance abuse, but she now built herself as a life coach. Two years. Really? You know, two years out of active substance abuse, she was billing herself. I have someone, I know some, uh, of someone, a friend of a friend who has had multiple jobs, anything from, you know, driving Uber to um, just, you know, training in a gym. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, billing themselves as a master life coach. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm not here to talk about somebody just saying, yeah, I've been through stuff. Now I can coach you because what you're going to do is you're going to hurt people because you're not there yet. And it's not a like coaching is not something that, that is just about it's it's the it uses a lot of the same principles as therapy. So what I I realized um, through my own court through my own excuse me courses um, as well as a professional course that I took and everything that 
you're already qualified. You, Felipe, are already qualified to be a life coach. Why? Because you're, you're a licensed therapist. So I'm not here to advocate for people who have no professional licensure and credentialing to go out there and hang a shingle, charge people, you know, hundreds of dollars for nothing. Why? Because it is not regulated. The people, the persons have no recourse to get their money back and you can do more harm than good. So I have to start saying that. What I'm here to talk about is transitioning as a licensed therapist into a coach. And it's not saying you can't do one or the, I do both, okay? I still have my license so I can practice. And if it's called for, I can do therapy. I prefer to do coaching and I'll I'll explain why, Um, which is why I named my business Right Vision Consulting because I didn't want to bill it as Right Vision Counseling because that locks me in. I didn't want to bill it as Right Vision Coaching because it also locks me in. A consultant can act as any. So I have a full LLC in the state of South Carolina. My uh, my website is rightvision.net. That's W-R-I-T-E vision.net. You can go on there. Um, so that's that's my purpose. Now, what? how did I get there? First and foremost, when I was in my PhD program, I took a course in coaching. And I took it from a, a master coach and therapist. I learned a lot of the skills. And of course, as I mentioned, realized a lot of the skills are transferable from count, from therapy, from counseling. So this was my PhD level. Um, but at that time, it, it wasn't, it was something that I kind of sat in the back of my head because I was still in my PhD program. I wasn't trying to do nothing. I just wanted to graduate. I wanted to finish, you know? Um, so I, I graduated with my PhD in 2010, well, 2011 officially. And um, for the first couple of years, I just, you know, continued in higher education but what I noticed as I mentioned earlier was a lot where a lot of my former students a lot of people that I met would call me and ask me for help in in just transitioning and I I was I did it I I offered the help because it's just who I am and I guess a couple of people finally said to me you know how much do I owe you <laughs> and I'm like nothing because I'm just trying to help you and they're like oh no 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 you really should be charging for this And in 2014, I started thinking about it and I said, you know what, why not? So I did my homework and I used what I'd learned in my PhD program, but I also did, you know, figured out and I, and I transitioned um, from majority counseling to coaching. Uh, So what I kind of want to look at is, is the, what's the difference, if you will, um, why, why I did it and how. Because it's, is that okay? Can I talk about that a little bit? <laughs> okay. So, I mean, first of all, we all know what a therapist is, right? A therapist helps people um, to treat mental, emotional disorders. Okay. The person comes in with some, some issue and a therapist helps. A coach is, is basically someone who helps people do life transitions and helps people get unstuck. Uh, one of the basic tenets of coaching is that your clients come in, they are mentally healthy. Okay, they're mentally healthy. They're not coming in, you know, with depression or anxiety. You're not there to teach a disorder. You're there because many people, and, and especially this year in COVID, my practice has blown up this year, okay, is we were hit by this pandemic and people thought, hey, life is boom, boom, boom. We got it going on. And then all of a sudden everything stopped. 
and they didn't know now some some many people lost their jobs uh, or many people had to change jobs decide to go back to school move to different areas you know the exodus from up north to the south is is exponential so the coaching for me is is helping people with life transitions who are mentally healthy get unstuck they feel they find themselves stuck somewhere and they need someone to kind of mentor them into becoming unstuck. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the a lot of the principles of therapists are the same principles you use as coaching. So tell me if I'm wrong. Um, we help clients to reframe. We talked about that earlier, right? Use that. Um, we are non-judgmental. We don't go in telling them this is right. We don't, we're non-judgmental. Um, we we practice and we have to practice confidentiality and ethics still the same and you know basically we are solution focused it's a solution focused approach so using those same principles if you are a licensed therapist you are already qualified you're more than qualified to become a coach so but why would you I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a couple reasons number one it's a heck of a lot less stressful First and foremost, you can pick and choose your clients. Second, you um, can, because they're healthy, mm-hmm. because they're mentally healthy, you there's no DSM-5 diagnosis, you know? There's nothing saying, okay, well, I got to look up this mental disorder. You're not doing billing through Medicaid, Medicare, you know, any of those. Um, it's all private pay. It's all private pay. Um, And you can work from anywhere. There's been a push for the telehealth now, but even telehealth has to be done as a licensed therapist. You have to do it under the umbrella or you have to have training in telehealth. Because we're not doing men, because I'm not doing mental health counseling, I can coach from the beach, you know, over the phone, on Zoom. I, I can meet in a coffee shop. So I can meet my clients where they are, where they want to be, because I don't have to worry about any of those um, those yeah, confines. Data or whatever. I know with my therapist, we do telehealth. I have to input my address that I'm at at the time before they can activate the therapy. Exactly. Um, the other thing is you just mentioned that notes and stuff, right? You don't have to keep notes as a coach. <laughs> well... I'm signing up because that's the bane of my existence. No. Exactly. You don't have to keep notes. What the only thing I keep, I don't keep notes, but the only thing I keep is if there's, you know, something like if I gave the my client some homework to do, mm-hmm. I'll keep a note of what I did so that the next time we meet, but I don't have to do any mental health notes. I don't have to do any of that, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's not something that, you know, it doesn't fall under the purview of counseling. It's coaching. Um, that's kind of one of the benefits of it not being regulated. Okay. Um, so those are, I mean, those alone are the reasons it's, it's less stressful. I mean, I, I love my clients and I get clients from all, all walks. Um, the other thing is, is that you're not bottled into mental health. There are so many different types of coaching and I do all of them. Um, I do career coaching. 
I help people who want to who want a career transition. I just had a client. I'm so excited. We've been working together for about 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 a year and a half. Okay, um, without giving, of course, any vital information. Um, they came saying, you know, they kind of felt stuck in their job, and they wanted to do something different, um, and and move into a different area, you know, demographically. And uh, we worked with everything from me helping with resumes and cover letters to giving some interviewing skills to giving some feedback to um, encouraging them when they didn't, you know, get the job when they got to the interview and didn't get the job. And then I would—that's where that those skills came in as a counselor, where I'm, you know, I'm helping them um, reframing all of that stuff. Well, they just got a job making about twenty-five thousand more than what they were making. Um, in a city they wanted to go to, in a uh, you know two-tier higher position than they were in, and they're bit, they're about to restart their life, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like I helped with that. Right. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. There's there was no men. They were perfectly mentally healthy. They just needed someone to help them transition. Um, I so I do career coaching. I do personal coaching, of course. I just finished one this morning. He went out to lunch. Met met some met one of my you know. I want to say I don't like to say clients, but you know, one of my my coaching clients uh, we met for lunch today, and that that client you know was going through a little bit of an emotional turmoil. Let's let's meet for lunch. We met for lunch, and it was just let's talk. You see, um, I've done let me see career personal. I've done um, just kind of thinking. Oh, corporate. I've just I've just moved into corporate coaching, um, where I've signed and I've worked with a number of nonprofits couple of nonprofits where they have hired me to come in and teach their leadership um i've done everything teaching case management okay. teaching leadership teaching teaching time management so there's a lot of you know that's the flexibility i love i absolutely love and of course the relationship part so i've had clients who come wanting some relationship coaching in terms of, of having healthy relationships whether they be romantic or otherwise so I would like to go back to our point. Personal coaching, what does that look like? I know you said the person was going through some emotional turmoil. How would personal coaching differ from therapy? That's the that line that kind of makes me wary of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and, and again, personal coaching is such a broad term. Okay. And the reason is is because there's no DSM, there's no DSM diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I wouldn't take someone on if, you know, I do I do about a 30-minute pre for any one of my clients. I do a 30-minute pre. And I um, kind of see the way they are. And I'll use my counseling skills to do a, a, an assessment. Sometimes I will actually give them a se- an assessment to see. If I feel like they need mental health counseling based on the assessment, then I, it's not coaching. It's I'm doing therapy with them. And I treat it like a therapy. I keep notes. I, you know, look for the diagnosis. I do everything a therapist would do and charge them accordingly as a therapist. Cause that's why, that's why I kept my license. But when it comes to personal coaching, it could, it could just be, um, I'm just kind of pulling from, from experiences I've had. It could just be that the person is, is in a bad spot, um, because of, you know, hurt feelings or feeling like, you know, I, I haven't been able to have a good relationship or my friendship. That's not someone who's mentally ill. Kind of like um, Ivanya Vazant or something. Exactly. Yeah, I don't like her, but yeah. <laughs> Ew, but... I don't like her, but thank. Don't don't compare me to. In, in, I can't even pronounce her name. Don't even, don't compare me to her, but yeah. 
looking at action plans, readdressing some of the things, correcting some of the cognition, not necessarily therapy, but helping you look at it from a different lens. Exactly. Encouraging them, doing a little bit of confronting if necessary, you know, um, but and 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 helping them again to reframe if necessary, um, helping them. And one of the things about uh, being a coach that's really um, that makes a good coach is someone who has a positive outlook on life, because that's contagious. Uh, one of the things that my clients say to me is they just love because I'm very encouragement. I, I'm very encouraging. So it's not that I'm coming in telling like, okay, so tell me your problem, let me help you. I'm like, hey, let's talk about this, you know? This is how I see it. Having that energy, because that energy flows out of you and it flows to them. And a lot of my clients, that's what they, they really need, someone in their corner who can be a cheerleader, so to speak, who can be a cheerleader. Um, and, and, and that's all I love, that's what I, that's what I did, like you just said with you earlier, right? Um, and, and still, another thing I do, because again, my right vision is consulting. I'm a certified grants therapist, certified grant, I'm sorry, a certified grant specialist. So I can, I can develop 501c3s mm-hmm. and I can help with grants. So I, I just, you know, I have clients that I've signed who they are want to start nonprofits. And having worked in the nonprofit arena and helped with grant writing and grant funding, I can do that. So it's so it's so multifaceted that I don't have any boundaries. Uh, I don't have any boundaries in terms of my practice. I don't have any boundaries in terms of what I can offer. I truly like if tell me what you need, and if I can help you do it, I'll help you do it for a fee. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. But there's some things I definitely would use and benefit from from your okay. but. Regarding that, are you hiring? Do you need any any, <laughs> any employees, any staff? <laughs> you know what? I may in the next few months because my my um, things for some reason I guess it's just you know the last few years I really didn't um, push it. It was a second job for me because I have my full time teaching at a university, which mm-hmm. I love, and I'll never give that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last, I think because of COVID and since COVID, my client base is blowing up. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've signed four clients in the last 24 hours mm-hmm. or, for different things, for mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I will. Um, so let me, if you don't mind, let me just really quickly talk about how um, to transition. If you're, mm-hmm. if someone's interested in transition, because it is very, it's lucrative and it's, it's more exciting. It's more fun and it's less stressful. Mm-hmm. The first thing I did is actually I went and took a continuing education course in developing a coaching practice. And it was taught by a licensed therapist who had transitioned to coach and was strictly a corporate coach. But no joke, she was making twenty to $30,000 per contract as a corporate coach. So that's somebody I want to learn from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the whole, it was a week-long training, you know, full days. And um, what we talked about, what she talked about was how to transition yourself mentally and, you know, physically from a therapist mindset to a coaching mindset. One of the biggest things is as a therapist, we're used to hourly billing, right? This is how much I'm going to charge you per hour. That's not what coaching is about. It's not about the time. It's about the expertise. So the person isn't isn't hiring you because they're going to get one hour of whatever, They're hiring you because you have a level of expertise 
that they can't get somewhere else. And you bill for that. So what I do, I don't have any standing fees. I don't have anything where it's like, this is how much I charge for this. What I do is with each new new referral that comes in, I meet with them. I give a 30 minute free consultation to figure out what they need. And then I give them a, like usually depending on what they need. So let, let me use an example. Let's say I had a client once who came to me, this was a couple, few years ago, who came to me with career transition. She wanted help getting a new job, getting out of her field. I said, okay, great. So we met at a Starbucks, you know, we talked. Um, and what she wanted to do was she wanted like her resume done, which I'm also, you know, I'm, I do that as well because of, you know, my education, what I've learned and um, what I did at Springfield. Right. Um, she wanted her resume done. She wanted help with, you know, looking for job, job search. And so I, you know, took everything. And what I did was I gave her three options because I always give my clients options. I said, listen, if you want just a resume and a cover letter that you can take and I'll teach you how to format it for jobs, this is how much it'll cost. Um, the second would be the resume, cover letter, a couple of job searches, you know, helping her kind of figure out what's out there and even maybe some interviewing skills. This is how much it would cost. And then the third option I gave her was what I call the soup to nuts option is you hire me and for a month, this is how much you pay and I'm there for you. We meet weekly. You need me to look at your resume. You need me to look at cover letter. You have an interview coming up. We go back and forth and we do actual coaching sessions. Every single time I offer those three, every client takes the soup to nuts option. It's not about an hourly. It's not about a product. It's about they want to, they want to glean from my expertise to help them get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And that's... That relationship, that exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the that's the, the billing part. So that was one of the transitions I had to make from like saying, okay, this is how much I bill per hour to this is the person you're getting. This is the relationship you're getting. This is the support you're getting. This is how much my support is worth. Do you want it or don't? And nine out of 10 times they want it. And the 10th, I don't care about. <laughs> yeah. So I did, I did that. I, you know, of course I built a website, which I have rightvision.net, as I mentioned. Um, I only work by referral. I don't really advertise. I have a Facebook page, but I haven't really used it to advertise. And that's because teaching is my first love. And just like, as I mentioned, I have a feeling that if I put it out there, it's going to blow up. Now, I'm not saying it, I'm not ready for it to begin blowing up now, but when I started it in 2014, I was like, nah, I just want to, you know, a little bit on the side. So, um, but yeah, I work by referral. This way I can pick and choose my clients. Um, and, and it's completely independent, you know? And again, I'm an LLC. I file taxes the whole night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. For breaking that down, um, you just seen some of the comments on this clubhouse app going back and forth. I think if they took the path you took, they'd have more respect for it. You know, they understood the, the steps you took, the training you took, the education you received, and the fact that you actually are a therapist that's doing that. So I think they'd be more readily to accept that type of coach. Right. Yeah, like you said, real life experiences. We may be beneficial, but like you said, too fresh, too new, 
do more damage than good. Exactly. Exactly. Praying on such a relationship to benefit them or might take them back down a path into that abysmal life that they had beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if and if the other thing is if something serious does come up, right. you know, that you need to refer. Right. You and and there, if the person has no training, they oh I can handle this. No, you can't. If that person calls you and they're you know suicidal, they're having some suicidal ideation or they're they're really depressed. Your, their only option, if if they were ethical, would be to refer. The scary part is if they're not ethical, if they're unethical, they're, oh, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, they've, they've done more harm than good. So, you know, this is why I wanted to talk about this, because I think that that, that schism between coaching and therapists can be bridged if more therapists would consider becoming coaches. That's how you That's how you build that bridge. Because even the therapists who consider becoming coaches, they would bring more legitimacy to the field. And it would start to knock out those pseudo coaches, as I like to call them. Because they would they can't compete, you know? If you have if you have letters after your name, you're gonna make you're gonna get more clients than those who say, you know, I've been sober for two years and I can coach you. No, <laughs> you can't. So so yeah, just something to think about for every reason I mentioned, but I think that's a huge way to build to bridge that gap and close that schism is for more therapists to consider coaching. It's very easy to do. It's not, you're already like, you're already trained for it. You've got all the skills you need. All you have to do is set up a business model and begin advertising and recognize that take, take off kind of the therapist hat and put on your coaching hat. And now you're, now you're a life coach, relationship coach ever. Seem like you have the formula. Have you ever thought to write it down? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't thought to write it down. Consulting. I know. Kind of stands out. That's actually my mantra. That's where it came from. It, it's from the Bible. It's from Habeka. Mm-hmm. Write the vision and make it plain. Mm-hmm. Um, because where it came from was I have the gift of administration and encouragement. So when I started it in 2014, it was to help people, like I said, resume writing, you know, things to help them with those kind of, you know, and then it blossomed from there. But write the vision is where it came from. Right. Yeah. But I never thought to write down my own. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for that. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think that people can see the path that they can see and you're able, able to integrate the curriculum or some trainings in it they probably be more comfortable because, you know, there's no set formula per se to get there, but maybe you could develop that for them to be able to make that transition. Because like you said, it's very lucrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, a licensed clinical social worker probably can make around 60 or 70 a year in their lifetime versus a life coach can make triple that. Exactly. If, doing, if not more, if they're on the corporate level, correct? Exactly. And you set your own rates. Again, you're not setting a rate based on a DSM-4, I mean, DSM-5. You're not setting a rate based on this is what... You're setting a rate based on the expertise you're bringing to the table. And you would be surprised at how many people will pay for the expertise. Right. Yeah. So it can be a a lot more lucrative. I think that we're more surprised based on some of the things we hear about other states, like the major hubs like Miami and New York, Mm -hmm. LA, Houston, Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, with a life coach because you have an umbrella that can pretty much cover the world. Exactly. 
earlier, you're not stuck because of a license. Like I'm only licensed to do therapy in North Carolina. I'm exactly I'm only licensed to do therapy in South Carolina. But we can coach if we deem ourselves coaches. Well, I have my, my clients are all over the country. Right. I have clients in New York. I've had clients in LA. I've had clients all over because there is no limitation. As long as we can meet virtually, some of them I meet virtually like this. Mm-hmm. Some of them I talk to on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. We've got, there is no licensure and no limitation in licensure. Wow. Yeah. For this educational session based on coaching, transitioning from counseling to coaching and the benefits of it, the perils of it if you're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can help me write this down. Maybe you can, that's where you can help me with the book or oh, yeah. an article. Maybe that's something you and I can collaborate on. We'll talk about it. I have a book out, but somebody told me <clears throat> it doesn't count because I self-published. But <laughs> I'm a snob. I'm a snob. Call me crazy. I'm a snob. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I respect that because, you know, it's, I, I remember when I worked for Vogue Rehab when I was in my, I think my master's program, we actually pushed a book for a client that was her vocational goal. And mm-hmm. I, I she was on my case and I was reading it and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, in all fairness, let me say this. Self-publishing has come a long way since you since then. Um, there are a lot of hybrid. I've actually been offered a couple of contracts. I, I really haven't had the desire to do it, to be honest with you. It's just not where my heart is. Um, but I've had, a, I've been approached a couple of times. They have the hybrids now where you're actually working with a publishing company, but you pay them and then you get a residual, you, you know, you get your money back upon publication. Um, so, so it's come along, of course, you know, Amazon does a lot of self-publishing. Um, but having said that, I will say I'm still a snob. Because, yeah, you know me when, as you remember me as a teacher, right? The minute I open up a book and there's grammatical errors because the person self published and didn't have a professional editor, I'm done. I'm not listening to it anymore. That's the teacher in me. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you once again for teaching us about your. The transition and the steps it takes to make such a transition and I look forward to working with you again in the future getting my consulting bites here and there as you're so able to give them but I see that you know you're on a higher tier now I have to start paying you for those <laughs> <laughs> no no not at all not at all pay for what if it's worth it to you you pay for it and a lot of times we don't appreciate things that we don't pay for. So I was out there all the time. Oh, why you can't do this for this or free or that or that? Will you really appreciate it if I give it to you for free? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's that's an issue with having your own business, mm-hmm. um, particularly in certain communities. We'll just say that mm-hmm. is that everybody wants something for free. But it, it, again, you're, I'm not pay, I'm not giving you a service. I'm giving you me my expertise so if, if you don't think my expertise is worth it then I don't want you as a client yeah. so is that final word that's my no I don't want that to be my final word that's that sounds horrible um yeah, I guess if I was gonna say see you put me on the spot if I was gonna say my final word was is really to um don't leave yourself like 
locked in and narrow when it comes to career. We as therapists, we have so much to offer and the world has changed. It's not the way it was, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. It's not the way it was a year ago. Um, So there is a way that you can be happy, you can be fulfilled, and you can still help others, not just to the degree of your training, but even beyond. Just if you're willing to expand your mindset. Right, remove those shackles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you, Dr. Trish. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. Yeah.